0: It's time for the Hokey Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network.
1: Now from the Macadoo Studio,
0: here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. Live inside the Macadoo Studio, guests and callers join us on the Baker Team Hotline. During that commercial break, I was able to educate Lowbro on the Mighty Ducks, on the importance of the Mighty Ducks to a generation, uh, which which there is great importance to the uh, of the Mighty Ducks to an entire generation. Now, Charlie I- Conway is the the beacon of hope. As for a, a generation.
1: that I think about it. I think my family actually owns a copy of that movie on DVD, so I might actually have to take that off the shelf and uh, put in DVD player. It's this also week.
0: just yeah. to plug something that's not paying me any money to advertise. It's on Disney Plus.
1: Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, everyone, I, need, I, need
0: a, I need a reason to use that. Everyone that has Disney Plus can watch can watch it. But they're coming out with a, a new television show, a series that is I. What's a four a fourquel? They already have the trilogy, so what's next? I don't know. It's it's it, a sequel to the trilogy. Um,
1: sequel series, I and, guess.
0: And get this, everybody. The Mighty Ducks, a beacon of hope, the underdog in every situation that comes together behind the guidance of, of Gordon Bombay under the leadership of Charlie Conway. They're the bad guys. They're the bad guys in the new series. the The, the description is, that they've become a, everything that's wrong with youth sports. They're all about winning. They've become a powerhouse. They've ridden the success of the previous Ducks teams to become basically the Hawks. I mean, that's and that, that's kind of like what they were fighting against, and, right? And the story follows young Evan, whose mother is uh, one of the, the Gilmore girls, hmm. as he gets cut from the Ducks and starts his own, along with his mother, own ragtag team to take on the big, bad, angry, bully Mighty Ducks.
1: I think it's a neat twist. No,
0: it is not. The I Mighty Ducks a cool are twist. a beacon of hope.
1: But it's not the no, same. It's not no. the same Ducks. It's not the same Ducks as it was in the show.
0: Gordon Bombay's coming back. Emilio Esteb, uh, Emilio Estevez is coming back. He better be on the, the ragtag team. Gordon Bombay better not become Iceland.
1: Oh, they'll probably be, they'll probably like th- like be on that rag team. They probably will. No, they won't. He can't like be. be. He's
0: the Minnesota Miracle Man. I'm upset that the Mighty Ducks are, if you can't tell that they're not the heroes in the story. I think it sounds cool. Uh it is Hokie Hour, so we do have to go ahead and move on, but but I'm I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm upset with it. Uh before we get to Hokie Hour and dive in deep to everything going on with Virginia Tech, let's go ahead and get you covered on everything else going on in the sports world. <laughs> No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. Well, everybody, the Miles Garrett situation has finally come to a close. And for those of you that have developed short-term amnesia, guess what? Miles Garrett's situation involves him trying to pummel another player in Mason Rudolph over the head with a football helmet that he ripped off Mason Rudolph's head. And oh, by the way, he did it on national television on a Thursday night football game. Well, he has been reinstated. It turns out his indefinite suspension ended up lasting six games, also into the offseason. So he essentially missed the rest of the season from when it happened and into the offseason, but he will be back ready to roll week one of next year's NFL squad. I have questions for the NFL. Did they want a six-game suspension? Is the president now set that if you try to murder someone with a helmet being swung down like a, a Thor's hammer, is the president now uh, the precedent, excuse me, now that you miss six games? Or is it that you missed the rest of the season? Would someone be smart to use the helmet as a weapon in week 17, knowing that they'll be reinstated in the offseason? Would they be stupid to do it at week two, knowing they'd be suspended for the rest of the season? The NFL's got some questions to answer, uh, and and I, I really just want to know this. I want to know if the NFL just didn't want to make this a two-season story, meaning they didn't want to be playing that clip Over and over and over again on opening day, on week two, week three, week four, every time the Browns played, uh, assuming that the suspension kept going on. If they ended the suspension just to avoid more and more and more views, more and more and more clicks on the video of, of Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph over the head with a helmet, that's not the proper motivation and they need to do better than that. Moving along uh, elsewhere in college sports, Mel Tucker, formerly now the head coach of Colorado. Now the head coach of Michigan state. Well, guess what? It turns out just a few days before he left Colorado for Michigan state, he tweeted out, I'm not leaving Colorado. Turns out the day before he left for Michigan state, he was telling recruits, family members, I'm not leaving Colorado. And then guess what? He left Colorado, so it turns out that college coaches might understand that the situation is built for them to be hypocrites. It might turn out that college sports, college football in particular, is built so college coaches can shame players into not entering the transfer portal or make their lives living hell if they do enter into the transfer portal. Meanwhile, coaches can be willy-nilly with their commitments all over the place and have absolutely no ill effects when they take what the, the best situation for them. Now, understand this. Mel Tucker's moving closer to home. He's moving to where he got his start. He's getting more money. He's getting more uh, resources. But still, there's something sketchy, something hypocritical about going back on your word that I would not be comfortable with. This weekend, the Genesis Invitational, as a matter of fact, it starts later on today, Genesis Invitational features a loaded PGA field. Matter of fact, it has the highest percentage of top 10 golfers for any regular PGA Tour event, meaning non-major, non-WGC championship. It has Tiger, it has Rory, it has DJ, it has Brooks, it has Rom, it has JT, it has nine of the top 10 golfers in the world. I say this often, appreciate greatness. I love a good Nick Taylor story. Nick Taylor went from borderline unranked to winning last weekend at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but it is so much better when you have the stars at the top of the leaderboard. If you are a golf fan that only watches majors, watch this weekend because it's practically a major. In Hokie news, how about this one, everybody? The Hokies, uh, were, the Hokies salaries for their assistant coaches were revealed publicly. How about this for Justin Hamilton? Four seasons ago, Jay Ham was an, an assistant position coach at VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Now he is making $600,000 per season as the defensive coordinator of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Second highest paid assistant, you might think it's the offensive coordinator and Brad Cornelson, at least as of right now, knowing that there's a, a pretty good chance he gets a new deal or a more lucrative deal later this offseason. It's Tracy Clays, linebackers coach, making half. A million dollars if you go down the line there's there's obviously tier length there's Jafar Williams Vance Vice making a surprising 260,000 many thought that would be higher all the way down to Ryan Smith and Hokie legend Daryl Tapp making 175,000 dollars per season I think Daryl Tapp will pay that time over and over and over uh Ryan Smith has an opportunity to really make his mark as well but don't let you feel bad for him 175 G's still some cash and that is Gotcha Covered here on the Tim Donnelly Show. And we're actually going to start our hokey conversation where Gotcha Covered left off, which is the the uh, revealing or the made publicness of the assistant coach pay. Because I think it's interesting. Um, my experience in college football was very much most of, of the decisions made on the field. If there was going to be a pivot in the schedule, if there was going to be a, a pause in the practice, whatever it was, it was a a battle between the offense and defensive coordinators, right? It was the offensive coordinator saying, wait, 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 can we do that play again? And the defensive coordinator screaming, we've done it twice. We need to work on different stuff over here, right? It was always that battle of offense and defensive coordinator, right? They seemed to be on level playing field. Then the head coach would be the one to finally make the decision and you'd move on. But But the offense and defensive coordinator always at least seemed – like they were on level playing field. Assistant coach pay now. Now I don't know how much this plays into the power dynamic of a team. I don't know how much it 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 plays into um, who carries more weight. But you would think it might, right? In in any business, uh, bosses can speak with their wallet. If 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 Lobro is a manager and Joe Schmo is a manager. Lowbro's making a million a year, Joe schmo's making 500000 dollars a year. Guess who's probably gonna win out in most arguments when Lobro and Joe schmo go at it? The one making the most money. Right? That the 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 business has proven that their value to the business is higher. They've spoken with their dollars. Lobro, what do you I'm what do you have going on over there?
1: Well, actually, I had my mic turned off for that, thank goodness, but this chair has gotten
0: so squeaky, and I have no idea what's going on with it. I looked over there. He looked like he was scared or something. I don't know what you're Like I, It
1: squeaked, and I was like,
0: "Yeah,
1: uh, let's just not. It's very hard to focus when every time <laughs> I look at
0: Lobro, he's doing a silent movie with his face trying to convey emotion without speaking. Uh, so Hamilton and Court Nelson are the defensive and offensive coordinators respectively. And Cornelson is likely going to get a boost at some point this offseason in pay. But I don't think it's a surprise, or I don't want to say that. I, if I were Cornelson, I would notice that in his fourth year as offensive coordinator this past year, he made $450,000, which is not chump change. That's a lot of money. That's almost half a million dollars. But, but so in his fourth season as the offensive coordinator, he made $450,000. Justin Hamilton, four years ago, when when Cornelson was the offensive coordinator at Virginia Tech, Justin Hamilton was the linebacker's coach at VMI. Justin Hamilton now makes $600,000 in his first year as defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. Now, now pocket watching is always dangerous, right? There's the great cliche, the only time you look in someone else's bowl is to make sure they have enough to eat right? I I never like staring in another guy's pocket or another lady's pocket and seeing how much money they have, but it's impossible not to use that as some kind of a scoreboard, right? It's, it's, it's how much of America compares themselves. How successful are you is how much money do you have in the bank? Even though we would all like to say, oh, I'm, I'm rich in other ways. I have the, you know, the, the love and support of awesome friends and family. That's what we, we would like to value, but still, A lot of uh, public perception comes down to how much Jingle Jangle's in your pocket. I mean, what do we say on this show all the time? Cash rules everything around me. Dollar dollar bills. Money, 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 money. Money. There's a lot of songs about money. Like, that's not a surprise. So, if you look at this, you could use it as some kind of a ranking, right? Hamilton, 600 grand. Clays, the linebacker coach in his first year at Virginia Tech, making more than Cornelson made in his fourth year as offensive coordinator. 500 grand for Clays. Cornelson, 450. Shabest, uh, 420. Tier Link, 400. Jafar Williams, 280. All the way down through Vance Vice, which, by the way, um, I retweeted out the, this list. Mm hmm. Andy Bitter of the athletic, friend of the show, great beat reporter, follow him on Twitter at Andybitterv.T. He's where I grabbed the list from. Uh, I retweeted it out with some comments. By far, the number one response I received was Vance Weiss is underpaid. Vance Weiss being the, offen- uh, the offensive line coach, excuse me, uh, 260,000 dollars plus a40 or excuse me, a 40,000 retention bonus coming. Um, so, so he's, you know, 300 grand little less on, on yearly, which is a lot of money. But again, if he proves that he can develop this young offensive line that he has now into a bunch of studs, Christian Darisaw is one of, if not the, most accomplished offensive linemen returning in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Brian Hudson, uh, Tanuta, these are young guys that were forced into playing early. If they become super studs, Virginia Tech's going to have to jack up that price if they don't want other teams coming to poach him with with – You know, an offer they can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. You've never seen The Godfather, have you?
1: We've discussed this numerous times. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But I do know that line. Who says it? Al Pacino? No? It's not Al Pacino?
0: No. No! Who says it? I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. The actor is Marlon Brando. Oh, okay. Come on, man.
1: Will you stop berating me? No, not about for it. if I've you never haven't seen...
0: seen The Godfather. I don't want to watch a four-hour movie. You should watch all three back to back. If you can sit there and watch 21 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you can watch the the cinematic masterpiece of uh, of a century. All the way down to Ryan Smith and Daryl Tapp making $175,000 apiece. Um, I think that Daryl Tapp hire just keeps getting better and better. They, they got him for pennies on the dollar. He's going to be a recruiting wizard. He's going to be an asset to the program. He's going to make money, 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 money for the program uh, and wins, 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 wins for the program. So take advantage of it. It's like his rookie contract. Daryl Tapp right now is a quarterback on his rookie contract, right? You know how you have to win when your quarterback's on a rookie contract? That's, that's what's going on with Daryl Tapp right now. Take advantage of it because he's not going to be that cheap for long. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, Will Stewart, techsideline.com, made a point, made a suggestion to the Hokies that I could not co-sign faster. Will Stewart, genius, next. The best sports talk in the NRV returns next. The Tim Donnelly Show is on WRAD. Tim Donnelly's show continuing talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460 AM. I love a good idea. Absolutely love a good idea. And you know what's the best part of, of kind of how my brain works? How's that? I don't care where the good idea came from. right? I think I learned this in sports. It doesn't matter if the, the best play design comes from the intern, the offensive coordinator, the backup quarterback, the starting quarterback, the left guard, the, the, the best play wins. Um, Will Stewart writes for TechSideline.com and he came up with an idea that I've never never heard before. And it's genius. It's so genius, I'm mad I didn't come up with it, but but hey, it came from him, so I don't care. We got here eventually. There was a a uh Instagram, not Instagram, a, a Twitter graphic that Virginia Tech came up with that used a tweet from, from Dalton Keene talking about how uh Coach Fuente demands 100% from his players. They put it with a picture of Dalton Keene and Coach Fuente hugging it out. And it was a really cool graphic, right? And I saw it and went, that's a really cool graphic. And we moved on. Or at least I did. A fan commented to Will Stewart and said, "Uh, they should sell this as a poster. And here's where, where Will's genius popped in. He said, sell the poster... And with Dalton Keene already declaring for the NFL draft, it wouldn't be a violation to make money off of his picture, give him the profits to fund his NFL training, and then tell recruits, that's what you do for your guys. And it's unbelievably genius. Do you know what would be a heck of a recruiting tool? If you told players, look, we are waiting at the exit To help you make money. The moment you graduate, the moment you declare for the NFL draft, we are waiting at the exit to your eligibility with with ways to monetize what you do for us. How about this? Ready? How about Virginia Tech throws Dalton Keene an NFL draft declaration party, sells tickets for $10, and all of that money helps Dalton Keene fund his training for the Combine? How about you sell posters that he signed and all of that money funds his training for the combine? How about you show your recruits that you are waiting at the exit door? As soon as you exit your college eligibility, Virginia Tech is there to help you fund your dreams. You should be waiting at the door to help pay for players in ways like that because it costs you nothing, right? Just give them the profits off of things that they've already done. Who wouldn't want to to hang out with Dalton Keene, pay $10, hear from coaches, and know that all of their money is helping a player that gave the Hokie Nation so much joy over the last couple of years go chase down his dreams? And what recruit wouldn't love to hear that there's a a program out there that doesn't, as soon as you exhaust your eligibility or decide your eligibility is up, that they're going to kick you out the door and be done with you. That's not how any of this works. And I can't believe I never thought of it, but I'm happy Will Stewart of TechSideline.com did. As soon as it would, uh, you know, making the player ineligible doesn't matter, rent a bar out on Main Street, Have the player go there, charge $10 a ticket, and have all of that money fund the player as they get ready for the draft. Sell posters. Sell t-shirts. Sell everything based on the image they've created. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's time for Hashtag Hokies. Next. Tim Donnelly show back here on the talk of the New River Valley. One of these days, when Thunderstruck is coming out of the break, we will wait all the way until they start saying thunder. But today is not that day. Every time you think they're about
1: to say it, and it just goes on for a na 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 na. What does it do? Na 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 na. You know
0: that's whatever. not the beat at all. I have no idea. Where did that extra extra I, syllable come from?
1: I don't know, but it's a it's a great
0: song though. I love it, but it's just like. It takes forever to it, get going. It does. We need to chop it off and make it a, a shorter intro at some point. Um, this is the Tim Donnelly show. By the way, I didn't say this earlier. We did air the Roth report to start the show, um, as we always do on Thursdays. It's a re-airing from Wednesday, but Thursday is the last time that it plays uh, on on the radio. But if you missed something or if you tuned in and you, you, know, you caught the second half of a conversation and you wanted to hear the first half... Uh, you know, you caught the answer and you want to know what the question was, whatever it is, you got in your car at the wrong time, you can always go check it out on the podcast. Uh, found everywhere podcasts can be found. The Roth Report, go ahead and search for it. We would uh, greatly appreciate if you use Apple Podcasts that you rate, review, and subscribe. Now I want to talk about uh, hashtag Hokies. Lobro, give it to us one time. Hashtag Hokies. That might be the first time you've ever done it so long. It's better when it's to both of us. I've Thank done it solo plenty of times, so you got to earn your keep. Um, hashtag Hokies is real simple. We go onto Twitter, we find the conversations that we want to have, we drag them into the light, we have those conversations. Sometimes it's a specific tweet, sometimes it's a thread, sometimes it's a conversation, sometimes it's a picture. This time it's a, a movement, right? There's been this, this movement sparked by uh, John Yetze's appearance on the Sons of Saturday podcast earlier this week, uh, there's been this movement to ban or banish or shame or eliminate quote-unquote negative hokey fans. Now, I want to be clear on something. Unifying is awesome, right? I, I'm not someone that is a fan of divisiveness. I like when everyone can come together. But I also understand... That's the, one of the appeals of sports, and I say this often, not just about Hokie sports, but about sports in general, is the fact that you can argue, right? You can argue with your best friend and raise your voices and tell them they don't know what they're talking about and, and, and get angry, right? And blow off some steam. And it's, and it's almost cathartic, right? It's almost therapeutic, to, to scream, if you think that guy's the best quarterback on the roster, then you need to get the heck out of here because we're never going to agree. And they need to yell back at you. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is if you can't run the ball. And it, and you just, you get to, ah. Right, it's like those therapeutic rooms where, um I saw it on 60 Minutes, probably like 10 years ago now, where they had rooms that were soundproof uh, with just pillows and padded walls, and you could go in there and just scream at the top of your lungs and punch the wall and take the pillows and hit them as hard as you want, and it was like it was literally therapy. We might need one of those here, and and that sounds awesome. And yeah, I mean it is, and and scream therapy like is a thing, Um you can't just you can't really do that usually. You out, can't do it in any yeah. other situation, yeah, right? Like me and my friends could be eating dinner at the dinner table, and and disagree about who's the best power forward in the NBA and scream and rant and rave and bring up our phones and bring up stats and and go I don't need stats I I've seen him play right I don't I, uh, or, or even Anthony Davis doesn't even play power forward he plays center what are you talking about right like you can yell at each other and then as soon as the argument is over you want to play Xbox Soon as the argument's over, all right, let's make some drinks. Let's get ready to go out. Right? Like, you're you're friends. You can argue about sports without hurting anyone's opinion, without hurting anyone's feelings. Can't do that with religion. Can't do that talking about each other's family. Can't do that talking about uh, politics. But you can do it about sports. So I don't want Hokie Nation to be all monotone. I don't want them all to be uh, censored. I want varying opinions of Hokies, and I think that's healthy for a fan base. So don't get rid of everybody. It's called being an adult. It's not full on agreement. It can't be. It's arguing in a way that doesn't insult people. We have a caller on the line uh, on the Baker team hotline. Lobro, who are we going to be talking to? We're talking to Rocky here on the Baker team hotline. All right. Rocky joins us, Baker team hotline. What's going on, my man?
2: Hey, uh what's your opinion on what fans should do after a game like Duke? Um is that something that fans are allowed to discuss or should we just be silent? Well, I, I mean Tech if, if you team? if
0: you just heard what I was saying, it's say what you feel. Just say it in a uh in a appropriate way, right? Don't be attacking personally. Don't uh you know go after other people with hate in your heart, but if you want to say we lost 45 to Duke. It's the most embarrassing loss in program history. You go ahead and say it. And, and you know, whether it is or not is up for debate, and you can have that debate. But, but like, I mean, I believe that fans have earned the right to say whatever they want, right? This pesky little thing called freedom of speech. Can't censor anybody.
2: Well, I think that that's um, all admirable, and I agree with it, but I do think that, you know, having a negative attitude about this program is not helpful. But I think that if they make plays on the football field, that kind of solves a lot of problems. So if we're trying to solve this problem from the back end and say, well, we need to be, you know, respectful and quiet, great. But you, I think if this team wants to get better recruits, let me, let, let me ask winning you something. games goes a long way. Let, let me
0: ask you something. You started that, that answer with, I don't think negative or, or I don't know the wording you put it, but but that doesn't help things. Is it a fan's responsibility to help things? Or is it a fan's yes. responsibility to be invested and to live and die with their team? And when their team dies, they're going to die emotionally as well.
2: Yes, I, I agree that um, you know, a fan is allowed to have those feelings. Um for me, I guess I'm starting to separate those feelings because I grew up being a North Carolina basketball fan, like that's that was the religion in my house.
0: Well, I apologize. And now
2: I've reached a point with Virginia, with Carolina basketball that no matter what I say, it's not going to change the situation. And I don't know if that's giving up on the team, but I feel like no matter what I say about Virginia Tech football, it's not going to change things. So do I need to drag myself through the mud because I can say mean things about this program? but it's not going to make Justin Fuente a better coach. It's just not going to happen. So what do I do? Do I ignore it? Do I not have these feelings? Because I have these feelings that things need to get better. But the reality is, you know, that's out of my control. And Justin Fuente is not going to become a better coach because I'm angry about it.
0: Well, I mean, I I don't think, and and Rocky, I've known you long enough and and you call into the show often enough. I I don't think you're one of the fans that – holds your your tongue. Uh, I think you're one of the fans that when you have something to say, you do. And that's fine with it. I think it's it's different for everyone. And that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, if, if you can argue with someone, feel free to argue with someone. If you're someone who comes to Virginia Tech sporting events to put on your uh, Chicago maroon-covered glasses and see everything as daisies and lilies, you can do that too. Or if you're someone who... Uh, has a super stressful job and you come to games to blow off steam you can do that too it's it's a fan's role is to be a fan and and when we're start when we start looking at fans to be recruiters to be lead leaders of the pep rally to be all of these other roles that that fans are hoisting upon the 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 fan base uh, social media consultants like uh, that's not your role. You're if you want it to be your role, go ahead, do it. But you can't force other people into another job as the lead recruiter for Virginia Tech Athletics. That's just not how it works.
2: Yeah, I think that the point you're making is is incredibly lame in terms of what you're saying about, you know, expecting fans to solve the problems for this program by holding their tongue or not having these feelings. But it's kind of hard to understand what is the best solution to get this program going because fans have the passion the coaching staff has the dedication and then we don't get the results and extremely frustrating so yeah I think you know I'm frustrated where where this football program's going but I also recognize that I'm not going to make this football program better program with my thoughts and ideas because they don't pay attention they have their own world mm-hmm. and you know if they're expecting us to make their world a little more cozier and friendly then yeah, you know, it's it's difficult to understand where this is going to, you know, be solved. So, right. anyways, enjoy the discussion. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. That's Rocky on
0: the Baker Team Hotline. The, I think he, he touched on something that a fan base struggles with, and every fan base struggles with it, which is you want to feel like you're at least partially in control, like you can do something, right? No one in any situation in life likes feeling helpless, right? Likes feeling like, there's nothing you can do to fix the situation. It's one of the hardest things in the world to say, things are going south and I can't stop it. Right? In life, if, if your job isn't going well, what can you do? You can work harder. In life, if your family life isn't going well, what can you do? You can work at it. If your house is falling apart, you can start YouTube and videos on home improvement and get to work if your, your football team is falling apart in front of you, fans want to believe that there's something that they can do to fix it. And and this Hokie fan base has settled in on being recklessly optimistic is the thing they can do to help fix it because recruits will see how recklessly optimistic they are and want to come play in front of them. I mean, there's some logic, I think, behind that. There There is some logic behind that. But at the same time, if you are someone that that – kind of comes to sports like you go to a movie right which is you're just here to watch and you're gonna comment after it on what you thought on the movie that's fine too you don't have to be someone that's rowing the boat alongside Justin Fuente you can be someone that's watching the boat from shore going I hope they I hope they win the race but I'm not yeah. physically propelling it forward. Because, I,
1: I mean, I agree with what Rocky said. Like, it's not going to help make Fuente a better coach by being angry about it, being but, upset about it. But it's not going to – Or by – and at, also adversely by, yeah. by
0: being it, positive and being uh, rowing the boat. Exactly. There's, there's – you know, I think we all just kind of hope they get better. Eh? Eh? If that's the only thing that binds everybody together, that everybody's kind of hoping for Virginia Tech, I think that's enough. If you all wear maroon on s- Saturdays in the fall – I think that's enough. Let's take a break. When we come back, speaking of what needs to happen for this team to get better, Demetrius Davis is a huge part of that. Stick around.
2: Get your Hokies fix
0: with Tim. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the, the New River Valley WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM as well. Live inside the Mokadu Studio. Guests and callers join us on the... The Baker team hotline.
1: What? You had to say it again. So you said it without me the second time. The
0: The. 540-639-4900. The Virginia tech Hokies have all the Virginia tech. Are you just screaming the now? (laughs) One, two, three, the, uh, the Virginia tech Hokies have, or coach Fuente has already said that the 2021 recruiting class is one of the most important in Virginia tech in some time. I agree. We're all on the same page. A lot of eggs in that basket. Um, with that, that means Demetrius Davis um, is extremely important, right? He is one of the first commitments in the class. He is a quarterback. He has been an active recruiter on social media to get other people to go. Um, and, and four-star and rising guy, right? One of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, there's a case to be made for him being the number one dual-threat quarterback in the entire country. 6A, two-time state champion in Texas, two-time uh, offensive MVP of the state championship a billion touchdowns accounted for. A really impressive guy. Uh, there was a highlight from at OX underscore VT of Tech Sideline. So Tech Sideline getting a couple shout outs on today's show. Um, and it's a highlight film that goes Demetrius Davis, Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, little bit of Hendon Hooker, Demetrius Davis, Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, Michael Vick, Tyrod Taylor, Demetrius Davis. And, and you know, you have to benefit off of what you have, right? You have to use your assets. Virginia Tech has the best history of any program in the country of putting dual-threat quarterbacks into long NFL careers. The best, right? If, if you think of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the history of, of the NFL, Michael Vick is, is top two being conservative, top one if you're, you're arguing it. Tyrod Taylor's, what, top five? You have two of the the top five. I mean, even if you look at other schools, right, Louisville might have Lamar Jackson, but who else? Right? If you look at other schools, uh, Auburn might have Cam Newton, but who else?
1: I feel like the issue with using, like, Tyrod and Vic as, like, recruiting tools is that was, like, it's long. It's in the past, you know what I mean?
0: It's true, but you can give Alabama – their entire history. Go back to Bear Bryant. Go back to Joe Namath. Go back to Bart Starr. They don't turn out any dual threat quarterbacks into the NFL. Mm. Right? Give USC. Go all the way back to OJ Simpson and beyond. Give Notre Dame all the way back to Paul Hornung. They don't produce any dual threats. Any. So if you're Demetrius Davis, look at this highlight film and think, you know what? (laughs) They embrace the dual threat. You have to use your rep. No one has two NFL dual threats like that. No one. So if you're Demetrius Davis and you're Virginia Tech, I would be reminding him every step of the way. Right? The, the reason you go to Alabama is because Alabama turns out NFL talent. The reason you go to Kentucky to play basketball is because Kentucky turns out NFL talent. If you're a dual-threat quarterback, you're looking for somewhere that churns out dual-threat quarterbacks into the NFL, right? And when you consider that Michael Brewer existed, Sean Glennon existed, Ryan Willis existed, right? Some of these drop-back quarterbacks, even Brian Randall could run, so I'm not going to throw him in there. Um, Logan Thomas could run. Gerard Evans, more of a draw. Ah, No, Gerard Evans could run. Huh. But my point is, like, the, the percentage of... of dual threat quarterbacks to dual threat quarterbacks that made it to the NFL is high very high so give Demetrius Davis all the reason to remember those guys smart move by uh at OX underscore VT let's take a break when we come back Mel Tucker I'm not leaving I'm not leaving I'm not leaving I left that's his quote we'll be back after this